The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Week 7 is in the books, and man, there was some serious carnage in the top 25. A lot of shakeups inside the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, all over America, and of course, we are going to have you covered on this edition of Punt and Pass. Follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray Eleven. I am at Drew Butler Thirteen. There was Georgia lost, Washington lost, Penn State lost, West Virginia lost, Wisconsin, Miami, Colorado, Auburn. Aaron, it was crazy. We're going to talk about all these games. What exactly went down in the biggest upsets of the week, and then of course. Later on in the show, we will give you Ray's 8, that's the Ray Guy Award, Top 8 Punters of the Week from Week 7, and the Great 8, that's Davey O'Brien Awards, Top 8 Quarterbacks of the Week. But let's just talk about the important storylines to start off, Aaron. So many teams lost in the Top 25, and if you listened to our Week 7 preview last Thursday, you and I sensed that there could be a little bit of a shakeup across the college football landscape, but I don't think anything like what we saw. No, I mean, it was nuts, but it, it, was, it was fun, though. And a lot of these, we say upsets because obviously the team was ranked higher. We, you look at Washington, Oregon, obviously UGA, Clemson. Um, I, those are great games, great teams. Even even Colorado and USC, I mean, it's Southern Cal, and it yeah. was at Southern Cal. So really, are, are these upsets? I don't know. I think both teams or all those teams, uh, some of the games I just mentioned, Went in knowing that if, if you don't play your A plus game, if you come in there with, you know, give me a B grade, give me even a, a B a B plus grade, you're probably going to lose that football game. It's just it's great football. It's great conference football. So I, I loved I loved every moment of it. For me, I had a, I had a 10 10 30 game at night. So I had the last game, the Boise State and Nevada game. So I got to sit in my hotel room, watch games all day, get to see all the fun action, and it it was an exciting. Weekend, obviously, you and I, the UGA game was a little tough to watch. <laughs> Man, it was. But I, I, I had a feeling it was going to be you close. Did. You did. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be a blowout one way or the other, so I was a little bit surprised, obviously, by Georgia's and what Georgia went out there and did. But, listen, it was just one of those days as a snowball effect, and everyone keeps bringing up, yep. obviously, the 2012 game where we went to South Carolina and, and, and nothing seemed to go right. And I think that was just the same thing this past weekend. 
going back to that 2012 game, it's just, it started with the first possession defensively. I think Bakari ran, went up to go intercept the ball. Somehow he tipped it up. They caught it, scored the next play. And then we got on offense through a, at a little play action, skinny post through it. Ball got tipped that line of scrimmage, bounced up in the air. They caught it. And it's just like, Oh, it's going to be one of those days. days. It's just going to be one of those days at the office where nothing seems to work offensively, defensively. And and that's just what it was. And, and, and and can't forget. And people can't forget. This was a great LSU team on the road, a team that's played extremely well this year, a team that's beat Miami, a team that beat, um, who else is big? I'm drawing a blank right now. beat Auburn on the road. And then they played a tough game at Florida. So Listen, the last season to go, but going back to your original statement, Drew, that was a fun weekend with a lot of great football and a lot of great upsets. I'm guessing you had a lot of fun. We made our picks last Thursday. You made six picks against the spread, and Aaron Murray went 6-0. and oh, So good on you. I needed it. Yes, I needed it, though. Gosh, I yes, needed that. Yes, you did. But going back to that Georgia upset, of course, Georgia being the number two ranked team in the nation, going to number 13 ranked LSU, I guess we can start. Right there, Aaron. Um, they got blasted 36-16. to 16. I was completely wrong in this game. I thought Georgia would wear LSU down. I thought it would be close during the first half, and then Georgia would kind of pull away late third quarter, start of the fourth quarter, run the ball, manage the football game properly, have great situational football, and get out with a victory. You mentioned the 2012 South Carolina road game. A lot of people mentioned last year's first game against Auburn, and man, Things went bad for Georgia, and they just could not get back ahead of the eight ball. And I will point directly to that fake field goal decision, Aaron, in the first quarter. Sure, what was that? I don't know. I was. This sitting, what happens when you. This is what happens when you don't have Mister your, your dad out there coaching special teams. You're exactly right. Crazy stuff. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Oh my god! Take gosh. the points on the road. I'm sitting. I'm sitting watching the game in my living room, Aaron. You would have thought aliens landed in my living room when I saw that fake field goal happen. I was like, "What in the but hell I know what, was what, that?" Was 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 Rodrigo supposed to to run it in? Yes, because I didn't really see anyone else in route. You no. know, I, I at least give him the option. Okay, so that that's my main issue. You honestly think Rodrigo? Because the ball was at the ten the yard quarter. line. The ball was at the ten yard line, so he was going to have to run about fifteen yards. Plus, to be in order to get the ball in the end zone, you think he could have outran the LSU defense? Um, the quick was that answer their mindset? No. And I'm guessing that they saw something on film. Obviously, they saw something on film where that edge rusher is just completely selling out, going to dive and try to block the field goal. But well, still, usually you don't Rodrigo do that, that in the first quarter. Is, Hell no. I, I haven't seen him. Rodrigo still a, think a line. I think a linebacker would still hawk him down at the end of the day once they do figure it out. Yeah, there's no doubt. Rodrigo is the best kicker in America, but show me a kicker that can beat the edge against anybody in the SEC, let alone LSU's freak linebackers and defensive backs. I just, I just don't get. I would have rather seen like a pass or something. You know, I just don't. I think, I think if you're going to call the the play to have a kicker run the ball, it needs to be a shorter yardage. I mean, maybe like. Three yards three ago, yards. something yes. like that. Not not a full, like I said, with him back seven yards uh, behind the line of scrimmage, a full 15 to 17 yards to run it in for a touchdown. I, I, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. Maybe Rodrigo's a better runner than we're giving him credit for, but 
I don't know. That, Here, that here's my of, question to you as, as a quarterback. Take the points. Yeah, here's my question to you as a quarterback. What is the upside there of getting the touchdown? It was the first quarter. Take the points, make it 3-3, get the crowd out of the game just a little bit, and get your defense back on the field and let them play football. I don't understand what the upside of that call was in the first quarter. I can never remember, Aaron, college, high school, or in the NFL— installing a fake punt or kick during the week and saying we are going to run it first look. If we get the look we want in the first quarter, we're going with it. That never I I have the feeling that for the majority of this game, that's what Georgia was looking. They looked desperate. No, Yeah, they were looking for the big hitter. They were looking to something that – a spark, something to get the – put the crowd out of the game – to get them energized, but when has that ever been needed at Georgia the past two years? The, the, this team is not built on that. This team wasn't built on that last year. This team's not built on this this year. It's not built on the big exciting plays. It's built on what Kirby wants it: play defense, run the football, eat up the clock. It may not be sexy, but you're going to get wins. And then, and I don't know if it's because the fans have been just so disappointed, quote unquote disappointed so far this year yeah. with the team. Which I don't know how you can with the you know they're six and one for goodness sakes. They played well the entire season, obviously not to the standards of last year, but I don't know if it's like, okay, we feel the pressure from fans, from everyone else. We need to make some kind of statement. So we're going to come out here with guns blazing, fake field goals, throwing in a little bit more than we need to instead of sticking to the run. I mean, shoot, Holyfield was run right through that first drive. I know, and so was Swift. Both of them. Swift looked healthy. Just... It could have been one of those games like last year when Georgia played Florida where maybe Fromm throws the ball. I know he threw it seven times last year, but throws the ball 15 to 20 yeah. times. Yep. It, it, it could have been that kind of game if they wanted to make it. And I think, they, they, like I said, they were searching for some kind of spark, some kind of big play when I, I don't think they needed to. No, you're totally right. Uh, they did. They looked desperate. They looked like they were trying to make something happen, having that fake juice mentality and – that's just not what Georgia's been built on the past two seasons, and it came back to bite them big time. Joe Burrow even had a good game. Joe Burrow, he's had really good games where we've kind of questioned him the most, Aaron, and uh, he looks like Macaulay Culkin. He looks like an old Macaulay Culkin, home alone. So I just thought that was <laughs> kind of funny. But LSU gets a huge victory. They had their backs up against the wall, knowing that they had to win to have any chance of making it to the SEC championship. And guess what? Georgia, they now have their backs against the wall. They have a bye week coming up. Then they got to travel to Jacksonville, Florida. One of the hotter teams in America. We will get to their game against Vanderbilt here in a bit. But look, all's not lost. Excuse me. Does that game pretty much eliminate a second team from the SEC? No, I don't I don't think so. There's way too much football left in the season now. If that game happened uh, three but weeks from now. But as of right now, now, as of right now. Um, no, because I think Notre Dame will lose a game. Right? Notre Dame's going to uh, be the one that throws the wrench into everything of the college football playoff and maybe a conference getting two teams in there. But right now, I would say it makes it muddies the waters significantly. So we'll, well continue I, to watch the it. The reason for I sure. say is because – once again, I mean, who's who's going to beat Alabama? No, nobody. So I mean, it. you you, I don't know you how could go hurt too. You could go wow. into you can go into a championship game. I think if if you're Georgia and you're twelve and zero, and still lose Alabama and still have a shot to come up, maybe sneak into that final four. But now, if you if you have two losses, 
I think that's that's the issue. So I agree, but the Pac-12 I we'll find, I mean, is out. You, the Pac-12's out. I, I think the Big 12's what about, probably out. What's wrong with out. Oregon? What's wrong with Oregon? I I don't see Oregon running the table for the rest of the year. I think they're going to have another loss. Guys, they're good. they're good though. They're fun. They Their are defense fun. was better. Their defense was better than I expected. But you're you're right. They got they got Washington State this weekend. Uh, UCLA finally getting some wins or win, and then Utah has been yeah. a great ball. So I think the Utah game at Utah, if you want to look at Oregon's schedule going forward, obviously at Washington State, big one this weekend, and three weeks after that at Utah. So they got two big road tests this year. So I agree that they have a chance to slip up. But man, oh man, did they look good? For, they did. Uh, they look really weekend good. They, versus Washington. They, they beat Washington thirty to twenty-seven in overtime. Justin Herbert had a great game. Jake Browning not too excited towards the end of that one. But like you said, Aaron, I mean, this puts them in the position to make some noise out of the Pac-12. They would have to run the table and win the Pac-12 championship game to have any chance of getting into the college football playoff. But that was a big-time game for Oregon. And like you said again, I believe college game day is going to Washington State. So they are getting more and more attention as the season goes on, and they're playing good football to validate it as well. Another team that we watched, and this game ended up being a bit more, I don't even know if I want to call it exciting than we thought. Michigan beat Wisconsin in the Saturday night game 38-13. to I believe the score was 13-7 hey. at halftime, Aaron. What I tell you, don't bet on Hornibrook. Don't <laughs> give him oh, the ball. Man, wow. Gosh. You are exactly I mean, correct in that game. I, I, said, I, said it I said it last week. I said give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. 40 times in the game. Don't let Alex Hornibrook throw a ball. I mean, he was 7 to 20 with two picks. And then Jonathan Taylor ran for 101 on 17 carries, so right around six yards per carry average. But Michigan, I tell you what, the way Michigan's playing, and you look at Ohio State, and you can't tell me Ohio State's playing elite football right now. I no, mean, they're winning but, games. They're the, winning games. They beat Penn State. But, man, the past two weeks versus lesser opponents, they have not looked, at least out the gates, they look like they're kind of sleepwalking, so I don't know if they're just on cruise control right now, just waiting for the big game, and we're just going to survive and survive and then you know win the fourth quarter. But listen, they got some games too. They got at Michigan State, who had a big, big win. We'll talk about that one. And then obviously that, that last game at Mi versus Michigan on the 24th, that game's looking better and better every day and, and a chance – for one of those two teams, or obviously Michigan, to maybe sneak into that Final Four. I don't know, dude. You you would have to convince me or brainwash me to tell me that Jim Harbaugh is going to beat Urban Meyer. I just I don't see it. It's one of those games where you just look at it and go, "There's no way Michigan's going to get over the hump and beat Ohio State." I, I'm telling you, the way Ohio State's not invincible. They, they really aren't right now. The only and team Michigan, that's invincible is Alabama. I mean, let's yes, be honest. I yes. agree, but I. You can't tell me the way Michigan's playing right now. Shea Patterson, that defense, they're a good football team. They're a really good football team. They've had some quality wins this year. Obviously, the Wisconsin win, even the way they just whooped up on them, yeah. uh, just shows how dominant they are. So I think that game could be interesting. I think that game could be fun. Do I think Ohio State wins? Yes, at Ohio State. I do think they are a better team, but I think I think it could be more competitive than people are going to think going into it. I wonder if so. Ohio State, say Michigan gets three points in the first drive, and then Ohio State drives back down the field inside the 10-yard line. I wonder if they run a fake field goal or just take points and continue to play football. I, I'll be watching uh, for that. Definitely a fake, some kind of fake. <laughs> All right, one game that I was correct on. I was 4-2 and two against the spread, so let's not yeah. get out of control. I had a pretty decent weekend. 
One game that I was absolutely dead correct on, Aaron, Auburn lost at home to your favorite SEC team, Tennessee. Tennessee won 30-24. Auburn scored late. This one was not really that close. Tons of turnovers. Tennessee looked good on defense and then somehow was scoring points on offense as well. And Tennessee gets a huge victory. Gus on that offense at Auburn, holy cow. I mean, this team has fallen from grace. They win that big week one matchup against a top 10 ranked Washington. Then they really botched the LSU game inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. And uh, they are reeling and reeling fast. But I was happy to be on the correct side of that one. And so was my pocketbook. So Tennessee takes down Auburn. I mean, what is going on? They, they have no rush over 50 yards, Auburn. I mean, who would have thought going against Tennessee, and we know the struggles Tennessee's had this year, that Auburn wouldn't post a rusher with more than 50 yards in the game. It's just, it, it's just, it's not great football right now offensively. And then Jared Stidham, I don't know if he's trying to do too much, but some of those turnovers, the fumbles, the picks, I mean, they just, they weren't even great decisions. I mean, they were bad decisions, forcing balls, trying to make plays. Um, and Tennessee took advantage of, of, a, of an Auburn team that was down the dumps and great, great for Pruitt. That's a, that's a big win to hold your cap on because we know their schedule. We know it right now, the tough games they've, they've had this little five game stretch. They still got, I believe Alabama and then South Carolina. So they, they needed some kind of, like I said, something to hold their hat on be like, okay, we, we, we won at Auburn. I think it's going to help them obviously in the recruiting trail, but this Auburn football team going forward, it's just, it's not looking great. Stidham's not playing the kind of football that that I was expecting, that I think a lot of Auburn fans were expecting. Actually, have a great great season he had last year, but it starts with the run game. This offense, we know this offense is predicated on being able to establish the run, have a mobile quarterback, and then go from there. And and right now, the identity it's just it's unknown for this offense. They're going to continue to struggle. It is unknown for this offense, and the way Jarrett Stidham played certainly would not get him on the great eight of Davey O'Brien's top quarterbacks of the week. But, Aaron, I know you're looking at this list right now, so I'm going to give you the floor and let you announce the great eight. And I see a name on there that is quite surprising, but he helped Tennessee get that big road conference I, victory. I, I don't know if it's surprising. I mean, he had a great win, Jared Gartano. Gartano. Garantano. Garantano, there you go. I appreciate it. Ooh, still early over here. 21 and 32, 328, two touchdowns. He's had some moments this year. He's looked really good. So I I think that's a great day. It's obviously at the on on the road at Auburn. Very good defense. So great for him. Great for Tennessee. Brock Purdy for Iowa State. How would Iowa State Man, just knocking good. out Giant killers. West Virginia? Giant killers. Three touchdowns. One interception, great, great win, 30-14 to 14 over the number six, West Virginia. And then Tyler Huntley from Utah. How about Utah? Every time I turn on the TV, I feel like Utah's, you know, it's about giant killers. They're always beating someone up, too. I know the win versus Arizona is not extremely sexy, but great day for him. Two touchdowns through the air, one rushing, and then one receiving. Hey, now. The trifecta, baby. Hitting the for trifecta. the cycle. Jeez. Nate Stanley from Iowa. Touchdowns over the win versus Indiana. Six. Jordan Love. How about Utah State, man? Utah State's crushing it in the Mountain West right now. Five touchdowns, no picks. Big win over UNLV. I actually have UNLV in a few weeks. Get to go out to Vegas and cover those guys. 
Andre Nunez from Louisiana, five touchdowns, a lot of five tutties this week. James Morgan, FIU, two touchdowns, big win over middle C 24, 21. And then Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Burrow. two rushing touchdowns. Passing stats were pretty good. 15 of 32, 200 yards, but the big, big, another big win for this LSU team over Georgia at home, just crushing souls, 36 to 16. Yeah, they're doing it, and then of course Burrow, when he has a good game and he manages the game with limited turnovers, LSU is going to be tough to beat, especially inside Tiger Stadium. So shout out to all eight of the great eight. That of course is the Davey O'Brien Awards top eight quarterbacks from Week Seven. I'm going to give you the most important position on the field right now. That of course is the punter, and here is Ray's eight. This is the top eight punters. From week seven, we're going to start with Corey Fatoni from Mizzou. My man Corey's got tattoos. He's got huge muscles, and it shows because he had four punts inside the 20 with a long of 52. Corliss Waitman from South Alabama. Dane Roy from Houston. How about Joseph Charlton from South Carolina? 50-yard average, 48-yard net, three inside the 20, Aaron, and a long of 61. That will definitely help your team out in the biggest way possible. A very familiar name on this list, of course, is Mitch Wisnowski, former Ray Guy Award winner from Utah. Mitch had four punts for a 48.25 gross average. Of course, a 48.25 net average. It's so hard to get any sort of return on Mitch's punts. He had three inside the 20 and a long of 55. Presley Harvin III from Georgia Tech. He had a great day as well, taking on Duke in that homecoming game. He had four punts for a 46.25-yard average. Very, very high net as well at 45.5. And three inside the 20 with a long of 58. Man, these guys are really, really good. Ryan Stonehouse from Colorado State. Of course, Coach Bobo is his head coach. And and Ryan had a good game as well. Six punts, 55-yard gross average. One inside the 20, long of 62. And rounding out this list is Tyler Sumter. From Troy, Tyler had a great game as well. 47-yard average, 47-yard net, three inside the 20, long of 60. So lots of punts inside the 20, lots of punts over 50 yards. When you limit returns and you can flip the field, 48 to 50 yards per clip, Aaron, you're helping your team out in a big, big way. So congratulations to all eight of Ray's eight. That, of course, is the top five punters of the week from week seven, and we will announce the players of the week, the award-winning players of the week on Thursday's podcast. Back to the action, though, Aaron. One game that I was extremely, extremely skeptical about, and I felt like I was on top of the world really all afternoon until, of course, the game ended, was Florida traveling to Nashville. I kept hearing how Florida is one of the hottest teams in the nation. Dan Mullen's got it going in Gainesville. Felipe Franks has finally straightened it out, and I go – Hold on. Not so fast as my friendly Corso would say. Vandy jumps out to a 21-3 to lead, and I was texting you saying, it's a great day to be me, baby. They were just sleeping, man. You know, we they were saying it even on the TV. Everyone knows one of the toughest environments to play <laughs> in the country is at Vandy. You're just you're sleepwalking at 11 a.m. It's early. It's a little nippy outside, a little cold. It's dead in the stands, and Florida was just—they were sleepwalking. They were just—they weren't—they weren't the bells. Offensively, I think they were fine. Actually, I mean, obviously, they drove right down the field that first possession. 
crazy turnover. I think it was more of the, the defense was, was just completely asleep for four. They looked awful that first half got together. I call, I told you, I was like, Hey, I'm going to call my boy C Rob, tell him to get, <laughs> get going the second half. And what they do, they got it going. They gave up 21, the first half, second half, six. I told you C Rob, don't doubt the C Rob. He's going to get those guys right defensively. Uh, but they needed that man. If they would have lost to Vandy that, uh, whew. You know, it's about two different teams of Florida right now and Georgia heading into the bye week. Oh, and obviously yeah. the game, the big game in two weeks, Florida's right and high right now, six and one. They've been playing great, great football. Felipe Frank. So he's getting, he's, he is getting better this season. He's taking such huge strides in this offense under Dan Mullen. I mean, throwing another two touchdowns, 284 yards passing. I like what I'm seeing from him. I mean, the pick, the pick early stunk. I mean, that was kind of that reminds me of almost that that Super Bowl with Seattle and New England. That kind of brought back memories where you're yeah. just marching down the field, you run the ball well, you got Marshawn Lynch, and then you decide to throw an RPO slant. Ball gets picked off at the you know one yard line by Butler. Same thing there. I mean, you're at the ball, you're bigger, you're stronger, Florida offensively. There's just so many bodies. There's a ton of bodies when you get closer. Obviously in the red zone, closer to that goal line, trying to fit a slant through defense alignment, through linebackers. Don't get that. There's just a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a, there's a, just a huge room for error. So I, I don't love the call. I think he should have run the ball first off that if Florida would have been able to put seven points on the board right then and there, I think that first half would have felt a little bit different, but overall Florida is a better football team. They showed it that second half um, and they escaped through the W on a, on a tough place to play. Yeah, no pictures in the win column, that's for sure. Florida gets a big-time road victory. I mean, you take them where you can get them, especially when you're a young, newly head coach team like Florida is in another game that I was very skeptical about was Notre Dame taking on Pittsburgh, Aaron, and I thought I was going to have a magical weekend where I pick as many upsets as I can, and they all come to fruition. Pitt gave them a huge scare and Notre Dame, I mean, Ian Book, like I said, yes, he has been playing great as Notre Dame's quarterback, but the sample size of three games, albeit very impressive, not big enough for me. He kind of showed the kinks in his armor. And um, I, I just, I, I'm still not buying Notre Dame as going undefeated throughout the rest of the season. I, I don't know. If, listen, I, I love Ian Book. I mean, I watched the whole game, and, and his ability to throw the football within this offense, I think it was more the running game. I mean, their running game got shut down Dexter Williams has had a, done a tremendous job this year only 31 yards if you look at Ian Book I mean he only had six incompletions I know he had two picks but overall very accurate the football one of the picks it was um, he got hit in the backfield just as he's throwing arm gets tipped ball flutters in the air they pick it off so I mean that really wasn't even his fault it potentially could have been a touchdown if he doesn't get hit uh, by the defensive lineman for Pittsburgh so I thought he played a great game uh, it's you got to get some of these squeaky wins, but Notre Dame, they're going to be in the top four now with Georgia going down are in the top four. And I don't know when the first playoff rankings come out, but I think it's after week nine. So after but that, I'm sti- Florida, Georgia, after- uh, and, um, last week, I'm sticking, I'm sticking with Notre Dame right now is my number two team. I think they are really, playing. yeah, wow. I got Ohio state. I said last week I yep. got, I got Ohio state now at three and then Clemson at four, but Obviously, Alabama won, and then Notre Dame, they're playing great defense. They're playing great offense, and then you look at the rest of their schedule. It's good games, but they should take care of business 
but we know you never know each and every week. Play him tough, but Ian Book, he's the real deal. I All like right, him. So I know it's a small sample size, but I, I've seen enough just watching to know that he, the, the kid can fling it around. Absolutely. I mean, he certainly can fling it around, and without him, without without Book and going with Wimbush, you probably lose that game. So Notre Dame's definitely made it a point to keep the ball in Ian Book's hands, and it gets them another victory. So we'll continue to watch them and see if they can stay perfect throughout the rest of the season. You mentioned your number one team, still Alabama. Did you see Tua's injury? What did you think about that? I mean, he goes down and slides. Obviously, he started the week with a sprained knee, and, man, they put him right into the medical tent. They got his parents down from the stands. He stayed in there for quite a while. Walking pretty gingerly. Saban says it's nothing. Saban says he could have gone back in the game, but there was no need for it because they had that under control against Missouri. I don't know. I mean, it looked pretty weird, and he did not look exactly comfortable or healthy. So, is You, you know what hurt? the great news is? What? You know what the great news is? It doesn't matter. They don't. They <laughs> no. Yeah, it doesn't matter. One, but they don't have. Um, you know, they don't have the Kelly Bryant situation. You're totally I know you, right. You're just so excited that Jalen Hurts, <laughs> Mr. Superman, Mr. Team Player, that's right. Got your back. Unselfish. That's right. Keep going. Everything that everything that you think Kelly Bryant is, Jalen is the complete opposite. But it is great though. It is great though that you can plug in Jalen Hurts. Seven out of eight, one fifteen. Obviously, the ability to run too, and things just keep going in the right direction. I mean, your backup quarterback twenty-seven games. He's twenty-seven. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I mean, it's just it's stupid. Yeah. That is, oh man, it's just it's unfair, yeah. and, and they just dominated. But go, cool, let's go to Drew Locke a little bit. And obviously, I mean, obviously, we're going to be keeping our eye on Tua. We'll see how the knee is going forward. Like we said, I mean, why? Why push Tua out there if he's if he's not feeling great? Just play Jalen at the end of the day. I mean, your biggest games yes. are down the line. I don't know when when do they play LSU? They play LSU uh, the last or November third. Excuse me, they play LSU in Tiger Stadium. So they got at Tennessee, and then they get a bye week, and then LSU. So I mean, I wouldn't play Jalen against Tennessee. You know, I know yeah. Tennessee. Oh, they just beat Auburn, but you're they're gonna wax Tennessee. No, there's no. You know, doubt. It's gonna happen. I don't. You know, they can go put you out there, Drew, in, in, in Alabama would wax Tennessee if you're the quarterback. I wonder what that – Give give two is. or three weeks. I think you can give two or three weeks a break right now, this week, bye week, and then getting ready for LSU. Yep. Uh, make sure he's 100% because they're going to need Tua to be 100% versus LSU. I think that's the game that we're going to finally get to see Tua all for a quarter. So let's make sure he's healthy. But going back to one of my first points, let, let's talk about Drew Locke a little bit and how disappointing his season – been so far Man, it really I mean, it's just I go and people want to Dooley. you know protect him people want to protect him and say oh he doesn't have talent on the outside doesn't have elite receivers but a, an elite quarterback a top potential five top five pick in the nfl draft makes okay receivers better receivers he makes okay tight ends offense alignment all those guys better i'm just i, I wasn't a fan before the season i'm not a fan right now he just has not done enough in my mind and i don't know how if you're an nfl scout or gm you can legitimately say this kid right now is a first round pick i I don't know he's just he's not taking care of the football he's not very accurate once again this season and uh, they have plenty of talent it's not like they don't have anyone out there They, they may not be the alabama receivers of the world or the Ole miss receivers of the world but they're still good players 
He's just not getting the job done at quarterback. No, and I was skeptical preseason because I realized that Derek Dooley was going to change that spread offense into more of a pro-style formation, and it hasn't worked out from a Drew Locke's personal statistics perspective. So I don't know, but he has not validated that best top quarterback in the SEC or even in the nation moniker that he got before the season started. He's being overshadowed by Tua. He's being overshadowed by some other quarterbacks across the nation. But yeah, disappointing action at Missouri. And uh, we'll see how they're able to finish really throughout the middle of the season and the rest of the season. But looking ahead to week eight, Aaron, we got more good games, man. We got Michigan, Michigan State. We got Alabama, Tennessee, NC State, Clemson, Mississippi State, LSU will be a really good game. Oregon, Washington State, it's going to be fun to watch. So, of course, we will have everybody covered on Thursday's Punt and Pass podcast to preview week A. Aaron, anything on the way out, my man? No, going to be another fun, fun week. I love I love all the conference play, Yeah, especially in the SEC. Everyone wants to always dog the SEC. Oh, you don't play. You don't play enough out-of-conference tough games. It's a cupcake. You know, you're not playing – you're paying teams to come into your house. Well, it's because you got to play an SEC schedule. No doubt. Middle of the season, you got to get through the grind. It's the toughest schedule, the toughest conference. And that's why you're seeing some crazy, fun football games within the SEC. So it's just going to keep getting better and better. Just going to keep getting better and better. And if you want to be the best college football fan that you can possibly be, always keep it tuned in to punt and pass every Monday and Thursday. So we will talk to you on Thursday. For Aaron, I'm Drew. Follow us on social media at Punt and Pass, at Aaron Murray 11, and at Drew Butler 13. We'll talk to you on Thursday. See you.